Praise God. You know, it's a wonderful thing. It's the right time uh, for me to pass over the oversight of this church to James. I just know from the Lord, this is the time. And it's right for us to withdraw. Because although uh, James wants to allay your fears, God is going to want to do fresh things. And having been here for 26 years, whoever takes over that baton, um, I, I think the Lord wants them to have a freedom to explore the identity that God wants to raise up rather than the shadow of what God has done. Just turn to somebody and say, God's got new things for you. Amen. And don't give up. And our intention is um, to be back in three months or so. And, uh, but our, our, our role in the church will be to support James and his leadership team. And for not, not for them to execute what I've done before. Amen? Because you see, one of the problems with the uh, children of Israel is they kept going around the same mountain. <laughs> and it's great to go around the mountain when you're supposed to go around it. But God's got new mountains for you to scale. New horizons. Fresh things, bigger things, greater things, wonderful things. And I've no doubt by the time I get back in December, there'll be other people raised up. I'm moving in an anointing that you've yet to see. Amen. Just turn to somebody and say, that could be you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want to take this time, I'll try and be as short as I can, to just um, talk about the goodness of God. And to me and to us, this particular church. Actually, the Lord has already told me what my next ministry is. Okay? <laughs> Nobody one might want to know, if, but I'll tell you what it is. He wants me to kindle other people's lives, other people's churches, and other people's ministries, including yours. And um, that's, that's the prophetic word on me. That's my next job. And then after that, I might, my next job after that might be getting ready for heaven. Okay? Because we don't last forever on this planet, but we do last forever in the great city of our God. Amen. Okay, let's just read this. I just read this last week, and I said to the Lord, I don't really want to speak on this because it's the passage that will make me cry. And my preaching goes rubbish when I start crying. All right, I lose my voice tone and everything, plus my train of thought. But I'll risk it today, because this is how I feel about what's happened. 
uh, Isaiah 63, verses 7 to 10. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord. According to all the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their savior. So he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned himself against them as an enemy. I will mention the love, just this these, these first verse, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord, then it says, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel and the multitude of his loving kindness. I could read that. I will mention of the loving kindness to me and the great goodness towards the house of City Church according to the multitude of his loving kindness. And, um, you know, I just want to dwell and say that the provision of God and the presence of God and the power of God and the protection of God is on our lives. It's on this church. And it's God's heart and, and intention for it to continue to rest on you as you take the church forward. And uh, he wants his favor and fruitfulness. And my prayer is, whatever great things I've seen, I'd like to see that increased a hundredfold on the people that follow me. Amen? Because if we all win, we all win. Don't we? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was thinking about how God's just moved and he's moved. I get a lot of credit for things that happen in the church. I also actually get a lot of stick when it goes belly up. And some of it is actually my fault. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, there's so many things that have happened in this church. And the way we've done it is people have just wanted to tap in onto what the Lord is blowing on. So many times people will come to me and say, Look, I feel the Lord saying this, and I'd like to do this. So I would say to them, okay, well, let's try that out for six weeks, and let's see if the Lord blows on it. And if it does, we'll throw everything behind it. And I remember uh, met so many things. Um, the cafe, Enid Barry, um, she only came for the first week, but she came to me, said, the Lord's given me a real vision for a cafe in City Church. And uh, I said, great, okay. And, the, and Sue and the team went down to see how it was done somewhere else. Um, and we, we kicked it off. I didn't realize I was going to get 
Saturday morning breakfasts for 21 years. I think it was something like that. And um, you might think, well, what was that all about? Well, let me tell you about Almonda. Who came to this church, gave his life to the Lord, and uh, he was living in rags like a tramp down the road there. A man who, his main job in life was a, um, a wait, waiter in a French restaurant. And he lost his job. He lost his identity. His only son went to, uh, to Falklands and was killed. His, one, his wife left him long before that. He had to raise that child on his own. He ended up with no job, no money, almost like a tramp on the street, except for he was living in a, a ruined house down the road there. And he was walking past. And he was on his way to commit suicide. He told me this on his deathbed when I prayed with him. He came into the cafe. Then he went to the language school. Then he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then he got filled with God. Then he shed the love of God abroad. Kathy. And then Dave Jones, our dear brother James, Dave Jones, going to call another Kathy called Dave Kathy after him, not me. And um, I remember about two years ago, it replicated itself. Dave called me over. He said, look, I've just been talking to this guy. He's on his way to commit suicide. He didn't get past these doors. He gave his life to Jesus. Kathy. Hallelujah. Wouldn't have happened because of what Enid Berry said. I think God wants us to have a Kathy. I'm not saying you have a Kathy now. That was 2000 and it must have been 2000 and about two or something like that. Hallelujah. And then the language school. Um, Tony. We had two missionaries who teach English in a foreign language. Sarah Cherico and um, Jane Adams. One had come back from Poland. One had come back from Turkish Cyprus. And they're sitting in the church. And uh, Tony, who's the drummer then, said to me, see these two, these are two missionaries here. And we've got people from Eastern Europe, South America, uh, the Middle East, everywhere in the world pouring in. And they're coming here because they're in an alien environment and they feel safe, so they're pouring into the church said, why don't you get them to do something to do, help them out with the language? Because you know what it's like around here. All these people who can't speak English, they're going to be, I mean, this is a red light area. This was a red light area with criminal cartels and gangs in the area. And he said, and I thought, goodness me, you're right, because they'll, they'll, they'll take advantage of them and traffic them. 
So no longer had I thought this, and I got him put in touch with this Quaker. He said, I'll sort all the money out for you. We got Jane in, we got Sarah in. They do their English thing. Before we know where we are, we've got a Filipino church, got an Iranian church, got a a ministry to the Eastern Europeans. Massive contingent of South Americans. Every continent of the earth started to be blessed through this church. Now, for example, Filipino church. He's like an apostle now. It was, a, it was a Bible study group when it was here. He's got churches all over the country. Hallelujah. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Because Tony said to me, what are we going to do about all these people pouring into the church? I wonder, goodness of God, isn't it? (laughs) Music Academy. We had a a lady here, Barbara, used to play uh, flute. Said, I, I do mu- I teach music, so I said, let's start a music academy off. We've had dozens of worship groups, and some of them, are, well, we could make records with them. You don't make records anymore, do you? <laughs> generation after generation after generation. Isn't it great to see? People that are about a fragment of my age up here. Hallelujah. And and hasn't the presence of God come? We've had people from China, can't even speak English, uh, raised in an atheist background, come up to me after a service with an interpreter and say, uh, we want to become Christians. And I said to them, how do you want to become a Christian? You can't understand a word I'm saying. I said, well, we feel, we feel something here and we want to know Jesus. With an interpreter, three days later, I go and say, have you said, look, I've got you a Bible. He said, what is a Bible? Presence of God. You don't just need the word of God. You need the presence of God. Why the leaders? Well, while I was here, my old church fell to bits. So God said, go and help them. So I had to pastor two churches. And I had to run two leadership teams, one here, one there. And I thought, I'm going to bring them together. And then I thought, well, I've got loads of friends all over the place, so we'll do a wider leadership service. And we started to see outpourings on churches all over the city. Bring apostolic people in, apostolic prophets in, apostolic evangelists in. So they give them a raise their vision to see what God can do. 
I want to tell, I want to remember the loving kindness of the Lord. Then there's the Empower Conferences. We thought, let's have our own conference, summer conference. And people were baptized in the Spirit. Demons came off people. More people came, gave their lives to the Lord Jesus. I remember once, God moved so much. I was, I was, I was out on the floor under the presence of God. And I remember with the administrator of the church, I'm out cold, really, in the presence of God. And the administrator of the church comes up to me and says, um, was asking me how to sort some financial thing out in the church. I was thinking, I can't believe this. God's moving. And he's coming with a business item, you know, for me to sort out. Praise the Lord. I just want to reflect on the goodness of God. On the late night service, we had Phil Wilkes here. We said, let's push this forward. And uh, we had a tremendous um, South American guy who came. who did Bible studies and he was a great Bible teacher. And then he left. And we had Phil. And uh, Phil was a musician. And, uh, and I said, look, how do you feel about sort of taking the youth work on? Anyway, I'm talking to Phil one day. And I said to him, you know, it might be a good idea if you've really got to get into your Bible, you know, because you're going to have to teach these young people. Um, he said, well, I never read my Bible. I thought, oh, goodness me, I've got a problem here. I th I'm sure he won't mind. He's a, he's a scholar now. So I said, look, I'll tell you what. We'll, I, he, he said, and then he was very cautious, said, can't read. He said, it isn't that I can't read, but I've got a sort of dyslexia. When I look at words, they go all over the place. So I said, look, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll buy you the, I'll buy you the, uh, the, got the Bible on tape. Do you remember them? The Bible on, do you remember tapes? I got him a packet of them and said, stick them in your car, you know. So off he goes. And, um, and that, but I noticed, although he couldn't read books on paper, he could read on screen. And it was great to see God emasculate him and free him up. And actually, I think he was making up for lost time in the end. Hallelujah. But anyway, he said, look, uh, I have to say that even the, the, the talk bit's not my thing, really. My thing's worship. So I said, okay, let's, uh, let's do a worship night with the young people. I said, I'm too old. You do it. You're going to have to do it. I said, I'll come, and I'll tell you what I will do. I'll get all my mates from all the churches to bring all the youth groups. And, and I'll get all the church. We'll, for the first couple of meetings, we'll get all the old people like me. And we'll beef the place up for you. <laughs> right. 
And we do it for six weeks, and if the Lord blows on it, we'll throw everything behind it. Well, there was an outbreak of the Holy Spirit right across the whole city. And some of the repercussions of that now with Ruben, little Ruben. Little Ruben's only 16. Dave Hayes is, I think, a couple of years older. They'd never let anything. And then Phil one day says to me, I'm off. So we're at Kevin Lee. And I said to, to them, we've got all these 16-year-old kids. Some of them are 14. I said, you're leading the ministry now. And I said, Sue will help you. I should have told City Church before I came here, when I was a Baptist pastor, they used to call me Pastor Book. <laughs> Can't think why. Hallelujah. But I want to mention is the kindness and goodness of God. I could go on and on and on and on, but I just want to say that. And I just want to say this. Um, there's so much I could say. You know, I'm so glad that I, great things happened. Outpourings of the Holy Spirit came because I, God gave me a wonderful Savior. And he gave me the Holy Spirit to help me. Here I go. And he's put great people. He put great people around me. And he's put great people around me now. And I want to thank you. Didn't want to speak on this. Okay. There's so much I could say here, but this one, the angel of his presence saved them. One of the things, I'm going personal now, being corporate. One of the things that has been so wonderful um, through my, throughout my life is that I've had direct angelic support. I think partly because uh, before I knew Jesus, I was demonically troubled. So I was already in a dimension of darkness. And I, ever, I remember when it first happened and and I, I don't know whether it was Jesus or an angel came into my bedroom. I was so messed up that even my bedroom was demonic. And a week after I'd been born again, I went to bed just not thinking, of, wasn't particularly in any holy condition or unholy condition, just went to bed. And Jesus came. It could have been an angel. And the 
presence and intensity of God in that room. For years after that room, even though my home, my parents' home was demonized, if you'd have gone to that bedroom, it's like walking into heaven. And I can remember when we were singing one day here, it was probably in August when half the church weren't here, and we weren't feeling too good. We probably had, uh, Sue probably had a broken night's sleep with the kids, babies, whatever. Um, and maybe Kathy was playing up, but I don't think so. She was one of, she was a good girl. And... Um, I remember it was one of those meetings, you're trying to lead worship, but no one really wants to bother. In fact, it's not they don't want to bother, they haven't really woken up. So they'll tell you, sometimes when you're leading worship, it's like walking through porridge. And, I, and of course, they were so desperate, I had to help them out singing, right? You could see that as a kiss of death, but... The, the, but I remember I was here, I had that mic here, and I thought, oh, goodness, I'm not up to this. They're not up to it either. And I just looked up like that to the, the ceiling, and I said, oh, God, will you just help us? Will you just help us? And, of course, we were short on musicians that day. And on that stage in the church, we had an unusual amount of people that had the gift of being tone deaf. <laughs> so we got a tone deaf con congregation, no, hardly any musicians. We're not feeling great ourselves, and everybody hadn't woken up, and we're trying to lead this service. And I said, oh, God, would you just help us? <laughs> just like that. And then right from there, just there, just there, started to hear the angels singing. Angels singing. So God, thanks for helping us. I've been preaching here on a number of occasions, and children and people have come to me and said, You know, as you were singing, there was an eight foot or something angel behind you, angel of his presence. I'll tell you why angels like turning up in particular churches. Angels like to be around where people are getting saved. If you do anything in that zone, don't be surprised if angels turn up because that's the sort of meeting they like to be in. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'll finish with this. I brought this... They rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit, so became their enemy. God will want to take this church, and it might be in its style, completely different. But whatever dynamic or style that, that you take up, you go, we all need the Holy Spirit to help us. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
And I've had many friends who are great men of God. And I've watched them, I've watched some of them have nervous breakdowns. I've watched some of them being destroyed. I've watched their churches go to absolute nothing. And it's because they've not allowed the Holy Spirit to breathe. You know, you can be formatted as much as you like, but you, you have to seek the Lord. How is it we can allow the Holy Spirit to function? And how we can do it so it's not the flesh, it's not the demonic, but it's the Holy Spirit. And the Lord, that's what um, the challenge is for uh, any leader, is to seek the Lord's mind, how we can do this. And how we do it with you. Amen. So, you know, what I would say about the Holy Spirit, generally speaking, the church will only reflect the liberty that you model to them. Have a program And be as tight as you like, but don't allow the program to entomb the presence of God. Ask God to show you the ways of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he'll do it for you. Sue can tell you. Some of the revivals and the word revival I use, the actual Greek word I'm told by a Greek person is refreshing. Okay. In the Old Testament, it's probably in the Hebrew revival. Uh, in the New Testament, I thought it was outpourings or visitations or awakenings. But actually, my mate who's actually Greek said it's actually refreshing. Amen. And I've some of the amazing things we've seen a move of God is when we've been broken. Some some of the amazing moves of God have came when we've come to full stop. Some of the amazing moves of God have come when we've failed. And God's patient with us, you know, because we do stupid things. You know, because we have our fixed mindset. I've had my fixed mindset. And I've seen God descend on things and then made the wrong decision. And you know the Lord, and I have to say the Holy Spirit, he hasn't held it against me. He's moved again. I remember in the Baptist church, we were in this meeting, and God just fell on the place. Everyone started to collapse all over the place. And I thought, what's going on here? And there was a pretense presence of God. And, and five minutes went like, five hours went like, well, three hours went like five minutes. And of course, being the pastor, this isn't the last church. I haven't done anything as fatal as this. 
I remember what I was, they were all, they were all out of the game. I, I, I was thinking they're going to miss the last bus. So like pastors do, I said, let's all have a cup of tea. There was actually, this is a Baptist church. There was actually a groan right through the whole place. But being the Baptist pastor, they all said, oh, okay. Emily got the tea out, poured the tea out. And I thought, oh, that's good. They're not going to, they're not going to, they're going to get home. And I'm in the middle of my cup of tea. And God dropped again. I thought, you. <laughs> Amen. So you will get things wrong, but the Lord will be patient with you. We're all on a learning curve. And the Lord won't read. The Lord will read your heart. That's what he reads. He doesn't read your theology, because sometimes we only see in part. He hears your heart cry. He reads your heart. And you can, God must be thinking when he looks at me, some of the things that we did, or I did. I want Sue's more sensible than me. There he goes again. I think that's possibly why I've seen more angels than most. Because he said, you better get down there and make sure he doesn't muck it up. (laughs) Hallelujah. Isn't God good? He's got a future and a hope for you. He wants to do better things. He wants to do greater things. And my next ministry is kindle fires in the spirit. I don't want to police at me door. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Shall we worship the Lord now?